This is God's word to us this morning. Give your attention to it. Psalm 26 of David. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes. And I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. What a remarkable psalm. What a scary psalm, actually. In this psalm before us, David is going before God because of some untrue, false things that are being said about him. We don't know the timeline and who in particular But he probably, like all of us, wants to defend himself. And yet, there are certain things, as we know, certain charges. When you defend yourself, you're making things worse. You come across defensive. You come across worked up. And so he's probably in a position where he can't defend himself. And so what he does here is both instructive. And like I said, and and we'll play this out, and, and, and kind of scary. Now, I want to highlight just a couple things this morning in light of this assertion. I'm going to make an assertion, and then I'm going to break this down into two major points for our meditation. The assertion being this. Those that walk in God's ways in sincerity will stand secure in God's presence. One more time. Those that walk in God's ways in sincerity will stand secure in God's presence. Our text could easily be broken down into four sections, but this morning's meditation, we're going to keep it very simple, and I'm only going to focus on two. First, David's integrity, and second, David's desire. And So first of all, I want to talk about David's integrity. Note with me once again, verse 1. He says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. And I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Most of our English translations have that word, vindicate me here. Now if you have the King James, it says something else. It says, judge me. And it's very accurate. Both will work. It has this sense here of of judge me, that I will be vindicated. That sense of the whole song. For... For the Lord to prove him, 
But notice he, he, he is asking God to judge him for. What exactly? It's his ability to walk in integrity. And, and this is a parallel with the next line, trusting in the Lord. What David is saying here in this parallelism is, is if, you, if you wish to walk in integrity, you can't do that without trusting the Lord. But we can also say this. We could say the reverse is true. If you wish to demonstrate that you trust the Lord, you must walk in integrity. And it is that that David is saying to God, this entreaty, this prayer, vindicate me, judge me, show me that I am trusting in you. So judge me according to that. Notice he's not saying, and this is important, I want you to remember this. He is not saying, judge me according to my sinlessness. This, he has a good, David has a very good theology when it comes to total depravity. This is the same man that penned Psalm 51. Okay, so he's not saying, judge me according to my sinlessness. That would be an epic failure. Rather, he says, so rather than, than seeking validation from an earthly judge, I want you to think about that David is asking the covenant God of Israel to scrutinize him in this situation that he finds himself in. Note how he does this in verse 2 with three things. Prove me, try me, test my heart and my mind. Prove me, try me, test my heart and my mind. Note that the testing here is not prove, try, and test my actions. It's prove, test, and try my heart and mind. He's asking the Lord, scrutinize my motives. Scrutinize my motives. The importance of this is that while outward obedience is certainly a good thing, they absolutely must be a matter of the heart. Yes, I can say that I obey God because I went to church or I went to prayer meeting. But the real question that David is asking is, is your heart there? Are you just going through the motions? We can outwardly do things, but he's talking about something far greater. Prove me, try me, test me, test my heart, test my mind. We are quick to say, judge me for my actions. We should probably be a lot slower when we ask, be judged according to our heart. Because we know what our, what's in our hearts, don't we? This is rather daring challenge for David. And this is why I say this is scary. To live your life in such a way that you can ask, think about this, Yahweh to vindicate you. Yahweh to prove and judge you according to the integrity of not just your walk, but your heart. Now notice when David says this, he He's asking God to, once again, prove him, try and test him. And at the surface, this could sound arrogant, but it's not. It's not like that. He's not saying, hey, I'm perfect. But, but, but in fact, he's, he gives a reason why. Look at verse 3. He says, 
For your steadfast love is before my eyes. You see where the focus is? For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. David knows that his integrity is not grounded within himself, but it's grounded in the steadfast love of our covenant God. David is also able to, to walk sincere, with sincerity of his integrity because God's steadfast love is with him. Think about this with me. Keeping God's steadfast love as the foundation upon which we walk. Brothers and sisters, this enables us to stand then on level ground. Because it doesn't depend upon you or me ultimately. But on God, the God of grace that strengthens us. He enables us. David's walk was grounded in that, not in and of himself. Our, not, our walk needs to be grounded in that as well. Let's quickly move on. Verses 4 and 5, look at it. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. These two verses sound very familiar, don't they? It takes us all the way back to Psalm chapter 1. The blessed man does not walk, stand, or sit with the wicked. David, as a type of Christ, is showing himself in part to be the blessed man. Of Psalm 1, and in part, he is pointing us to our Savior. He is pointing us to Christ who fulfilled all these things. He is the blessed man of chapter 1, he is the anointed king of chapter 2. Our hermeneutic for the Psalms is this is the Psalm book of Christ. Our Lord, brothers and sisters, did not consort with the wicked. Now, I know what you're thinking. Immediately, you're thinking, well, Brent. He did eat with those tax collectors. And he ate with prostitutes. But brothers and sisters, he did not consort with them. He did not adopt their way of living. And so David is also saying he refuses to consort, or we could say to adopt the way of living with the wicked. We're not removed from the lost, nor should we be. But we shouldn't be living like the wicked. Our profession of faith should be consistent with that which is in our heart and which we declare the good things of the Lord to the lost. In fact, he goes beyond that and he says this. He says that he hates the assembly with them. Note and look at verse 6 and 7. I wash my hands in innocence. And I go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wonderful, wondrous deeds. David is saying he is washing his hands in innocence and he's growing around the altar. Now, I don't have a lot of time. This is a meditation, but I do want to remind you, David is the anointed king. We're not sure if he's king yet at this juncture or if he is. He's not a priest and so he's using figurative language here to demonstrate the sincerity of his heart. He, he's saying he, he's cleansed himself with 
that which the bowl, that which the water and the altar that they all represent. Do you guys get that? And we can say it this way for us, reading it from a New Testament perspective, it is summarized in this simple expression, the grace of God. Really, the blood of Christ. We look back to that, and here David is being forward-thinking. Because he washes his hands in innocence, notice what he does. It's beautiful. He, he proclaims thanksgiving, and he whispers and keeps it all to himself. Is that what the text says? No, he proclaims it aloud. He's declaring forth thanksgiving to God, and he does it aloud. He, he tells, and we can say this, he recounts the wondrous deeds of God. It's unfathomable what God has done for us. But let's declare those things with thanksgiving. It's what we do every Lord's Day when we assemble. You see, the integrity of David's heart is fundamentally grounded in God's goodness, in God's grace in his life. David is able to wash his hands in innocence because he trusts in God's steadfast love. Well, this brings us quickly to our second point, and that is David's desire. We've seen David's integrity. Let's take a moment and look at David's desire. Note verse 8 with me. O Lord, I love the habitation of Your house and the place where Your glory dwells. So after proclaiming thanksgiving of God's wonderful deeds, David states that he loves God's presence, his habitation, his refuge, his house. Listen again to the second part of verse 8. The place where your glory dwells. David loves to be in the presence of God. In, in, In fact, I want to submit to you, as you read through the Psalms, you'll see that one of the the things that David hated the most was what? Was not being able to be in the house of the Lord. All the times that he was under persecution, what did he seek after the most? What did he yearn for? Was to be in the house of the Lord. And so I want to just submit to you for our meditation, what is our attitude to the Lord's day worship? Typically, I'd like to submit to you, should reflect our gratitude towards the goodness of our God. On the grace that He has given to us through Christ. Yes, life can be hard and I acknowledge that. But at the end of the day, we need to trust in the goodness of God. In His steadfast love. May the desire of our hearts be in the same way to be in His presence among the assembled. Lord's day after Lord's day. This is where we meet our God. Where we meet our Savior and Lord who knows what your situation is. David loves the house of the Lord. What a contrast to what he said earlier. He hates the assembly of evildoers. But he loves the place where the saints assemble. David Love God's house. Well, one more shift. There are 
He loves God's habitation so much that he pleads with God. Note verse 9. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men. Sweep away here has the idea of gathering uh, so that you can remove it for it to be destroyed. I, I think the best thing, think of raking leaves. When you're raking leaves in a pile to burn them. This sweeping away has this connotation, this idea here. Lord, don't gather me with the wicked so I will be tossed out. Don't sweep me away, not with sinners, not with the bloodthirsty. Note the description of these people in verse 10. And whose hands are evil devices. And whose right hands are full of bribes. These are, these are deceptive individuals. I don't have any time to talk about that. But deceptive individuals, they, they live one way and they, they say one thing. It, it, they're inconsistent in their scheming. And David doesn't want to be counted among them. The implication of this, and it is weighty, brothers and sisters, that there is a coming judgment. And David doesn't want to be identified and swept away with them in this coming judgment. Well, let's finish up. Verse 11. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. And it says this, redeem me and be gracious to me. Rather than walking with the wicked, David is pleading to stay with the Lord. Now, in order to walk in integrity, you need God's grace. We need God's grace. It, re it requires Brothers and sisters, sanctification of the Spirit with the applied Word of God in our hearts. It involves looking to Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. It requires His redemption, His grace, His love. These things help to increase our resolve to walk in integrity of heart. Through the grace that Christ has purchased for us, he strengthens you. And so I'm going to submit that you are to rely upon Him. This is how you can walk in integrity. Note how in verse 12, He says this, My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. This is someone that is on sure footing as opposed to the terrain being slippery. His foot is on level ground. Just like what Jesus said. We're to do what? Built our life, our faith, upon the rock. Christ being the rock. Build your house on the rock. And we do this through the means of grace and the assembly of our God. The things that He has provided for His people.